You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast, episode number 332 is here. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper. And today we're going to just do some rapid-fire questions, although... Knowing us, they won't end up being very rapid-fire answers every single time we start the show. I'm like, Steph, this is going to be fine. We're going to keep it to an hour, and she laughs because we never actually do. We'll be talking about high-protein breakfasts, guilty pleasures, what to do when your husband wants to go keto, first trimester nausea. We'll round it out with a little esophagitis. Uh, before we get into the fun, I want to say uh, thank you to the company that is supporting this show and also supporting my health and sanity, and that is Juve. If you've listened to even one episode of this podcast, you know that light impacts many aspects of our biology, and certain wavelengths are stimulating, like blue light, and can cause like overexposure can cause stress and hormone dysfunction and even like migraines and, and eye strain. And then things like red light can actually improve mitochondrial function, which still blows my mind to this day. Um, these last few years, I know without a doubt that doing red light therapy at home has made a massive contribution to my physical and mental health. I was super skeptical, but then after reviewing a lot of the clinical studies and literature about red light therapy... I was pretty taken back. So red light therapy quite simply stimulates energy production in your body by improving mitochondrial function. So our mitochondria are the energy factories in our cells and mitochondrial function actually declines as we age. Womp womp. Uh, studies show that red light therapy reduces inflammation. It speeds up muscle recovery and aids in the healing of injury, and it can significantly improve your sleep, your circadian rhythms, overall mood, including anxiety and depression. It's just, it's just a little anti-aging device. It's great. Um, and then also thyroid warriors. There's even research to show that targeted therapy may reduce your need for thyroid medication. Um, there's a ton of research actually on the, on the Juve website. So, uh, for me personally, I've noticed just better sleep and less fatigue and just less overall anxiety. I, I was just such an anxious mess before. And I think a lot of these little tweaks that I've done with my blue light glasses and red light therapy has just made a huge impact. So um, what I love about Juve is that it really delivers these clinical benefits within minutes by using the scientifically proven wavelengths. So it's not just all red light, folks. It's it's specific wavelengths, 660 nanometers and 850 nan nanometers or a combination of both. And that ensures that the products offer the same therapeutic benefits that we actually see in that literature. And then um, also, I've, I've talked about this a little bit, but Juve has new devices and they have like a sleep mode and a recovery mode and they're just way lighter. So you can get $50 off your next device by going to juve.com slash wellfed. That's J-O-O-V-V dot com slash wellfed. Use the coupon code wellfed for an additional $50 off. So this actually includes the little handheld Go device. I just tested it and it's discounted when you go to juve.com slash wellfed add, you know, whatever you want to your cart. And then you can 
get an extra $50 off with the code WELLFED. Uh, Juvis third-party tested for safety and performance. And then it's actually a modular design, so you can start small and then build from there. Again, it's juve, J-O-O-V-V, dot com slash WELLFED. Um, hey, Stephanie. Hi. Hey. So. Hey. You want to get to our, our fun little um, icebreaker questions from Jerry? Yeah. I was like, do we have anything to talk about? Well, we have some icebreaker questions. Summer is here. And for many people, that means outdoor temperatures are heating up, more dust, sneezing, staying inside to avoid the heat. And for thousands of Americans, this also means preparing for wildfire season. Many of you will remember 2020 was a devastating year for wildfires in the United States. Over 600,000 acres have already been burned in the U.S. this past year due to drought conditions. And this year's wildfire season is predicted to break records again. And with that, millions face hazardous air quality from wildfire smoke, including people hundreds of miles from fires. HEPA filtration is the world's most trusted way to remove harmful particles and smoke from the air. It's why both the CDC and EPA recommend using HEPA purification to protect protect against smoke's worst effects. It also removes 99.99% of airborne particles down to 0.1 microns, including allergens, dust, mold, bacteria, aerosoled viruses, and more. This year was horrible for us for allergies, and our Allen was always working. It was on purple all the time, um, basically from March until now. And I'm just so thankful that we had it when we were really struggling with allergies and just clearing out colds and viruses and sneezing and stuff from the air. Why I chose Allen is that they have this advanced smart sensor technology that always lets you know the status of the air quality, and then it actually automatically adjusts to the air quality and it will up itself and start going harder and working harder when the air is bad, and it will down-regulate when the air is clean. On all of those settings, it is so quiet, you cannot even hear it. it. We have it right in our dining room, and I don't even notice it. I don't even hear it that it's there, which is so cool. Also, they have uh, four different filter options. So you can choose based on your personal needs. The customer service is amazing, and they are warranted forever. Not for 30 days, not for 60 days, not for a year, forever. So if something goes wrong with your air purifier, which by the way, it's an investment. It's a huge investment. They will replace it for free if they can't help you figure out how to get it working again. So to learn more, go to allen.com slash wellfed. That's A-L-E-N dot com slash wellfed. And then use our code WELLFED for 10% off. That is a huge discount, especially on some of these larger room purifiers. We have one that does our entire downstairs because it's an open concept. Um, They have the industry's first and only lifetime warranty. And um, you also get free shipping, which is a big deal. And they have a 60-day love it or return it guarantee. Um, And then if you have a problem, you can reach out to me in our Facebook group. I can talk you through all of it because I researched every single one before I bought it. And then... And um, 
you can also uh, chat with their customer service about what would be right for your room based on the square footage. Again, that's allen.com forward slash well-fed. Use our code well-fed for 10% off. Make sure you don't have a subscription in your cart. If you have a subscription in your cart for filters, that code won't work. So just buy the, the subscription after the fact, after you have your um, your air purifier. It won't make a difference um, money-wise and how much you pay. Just do it separately so that you can get your discount. Allen.com slash well-fed. So let's uh, let's jump into these because I actually really am interested to hear what your guilty pleasures are. Um, so the first question, we have a couple, I, th- we're just going to jump right into questions today. The first question is three questions and we have um, just a couple things. So uh, what uh, quick high protein breakfast ideas do you have, Stephanie? Or do you do high protein for breakfast? I do. And my favorite thing to recommend is leftovers. I love leftovers. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that leftovers too. in the morning, leftovers all day. Yeah, um, leftovers. Um, and there are things you can uh, pre-cook or batch cook, such as hard-boiled eggs, bacon. If you don't mind eating it cold or reheating it, uh, comma in my notes, comma Noel has recipes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a great like egg thing recipe in our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, I do believe. Um, isn't there a little mini, a little mini egg thing? Um, yes. Yeah. Like, a. are you talking about like in, in a muffin tin? Like the little yeah, bacon, the muffin wrapped, tin. bacon wrapped eggs? Yeah. 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 Um, so you can make those. I, one thing I really like to have for breakfast is liver pate. Um, and I mean, I would like eat it with a spoon, but you could also have some, uh, kind of cracker or, um, you know, the gluten-free or whatever kind you want. Um, and beef sticks, sausage sticks, you know, uh, salami, things that are dry and last forever. Um, yeah, those are my recommendations. Cool. Yeah. I, I do think, so we obviously have eggs. Two eggs has 12 grams of protein, but if you need something more, I like the idea of doing something like, I still do sprouted toast. Um, in the morning, and that does have some protein. I have this um, breakfast fried rice saute that I think is really great for meal prep. You, you, It's just basically a saute of cauliflower rice, or you could do regular rice, but I like cauliflower rice. I really do. So everybody's trying to hate on cauliflower rice because it's like, just eat the regular rice. I'm like, I like cauliflower rice. Get away. So I just saute the cauliflower rice. There's like, saute it with some other vegetables and then um, bacon. And then you crack some eggs on top of it. But I would hold off on doing that if you're going to do it for meal prep. So you could do this saute. And it's also um, AIP friendly. So it's great on its own without the egg. So it's vegetables and and um, some chopped bacon. What you could do is also saute. You could, before you even make that, that skillet, just cut up some chicken, saute the chicken, and then mix it into the stir fry. And that's going to be a really good like bacon, chicken, cauliflower rice kind of stir fry. You can also have an egg with it if you want. But you could section that out into smaller packets or individual, you know, airtight containers or, you know, the stasher silicone bags. Heat that up in the morning and then have like a hard boiled egg with it. And it's going to be a good hit of protein. Um, so I, I, I really like that as an option. It's easy on your stomach, going to fill you up. And it's kind of what I have to do now with um, 
like because I work out really early in the morning. So I typically will have my toast with some eggs. I'll have an avocado. I have a lot of fruit now. So I'll typically have a couple oranges and an apple. And then we will bake this like it just we ha- we'll do it at night um, as part of our meal prep. We will make or gr- we'll grill them. We'll just grill chicken or grill some like chicken apple sausages, just the organic chicken apple ones that you can get. And um, I'll just grab like one or two of those to add to make it high protein. So just keep it simple. You don't have to like overthink it. Just make sure, you know, eggs are wonderful. You get, you've got the yolk, which is like nature's multivitamin, and you've got the the protein in, in, the, um, in the white. And you can also experiment with do it. Like I have these, a recipe for little protein balls. So like you could add your own protein powder to those. So you could use a collagen peptide powder, or you could use any sort of just, you know, protein powder that you want and make those little balls. And you could have that too as with your breakfast. If you're just trying to find something that's like easy, grab and go. Cause I think that's the problem is breakfast foods are typically cheap and easy and you know, whatever, cereal and fruit, just stuff you grab. And so you have to be a little bit more intentional with the breakfast to get the protein in. And so it typically is going to involve just prepping and cooking things ahead of time. Okay. Stephanie, favorite childhood memory. Favorite childhood memory. I got the heads up about this question. I was like, (laughs) oh, I mean, it's tricky. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite. I'm gonna uh, say a few things quickly, <laughs> okay? Because you could pick one event or you could pick like a, a theme. Um, hmm. So uh, I have a I have very great memories of playing video games with my brothers. Um, hmm. My mom and I used to go on. Uh, we had a couple of a handful of trips for dancing when we had to travel to um, compete, and we had so much fun with those. Um, there was, uh, and then for like an event, I suppose, uh, my family once arranged a mini Olympics for like the kids and our friends and friends of the family. And we had, uh, I, I don't, I don't know why that it, it occurred to me as, as like one fun, you know, that's fun. One unique, one unique thing. Yeah. They did an Olympics and there was, uh, the events were like, how far can you throw a ball? And I was like, I can throw it to the stop sign. And I had no idea. The stop sign is so far away. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I was like, okay, I was wrong about that. Um, we had, there was swimming because uh, there was a pool. Um, we had a pool and have had, and uh, there was a, like a, you could do a routine on the swing, like a gymnastics routine on the swing. Oh, I love it. That. Yes. And, uh, and trampoline stuff. Um running stuff like yeah we just we had a bunch of stuff and then there was an award ceremony with uh tin like foil aluminum foil that we colored with markers like yellow and orange markers um yeah so um that was like i don't know that was a that's a fun thing that kind of sticks out for my childhood but um that's awesome i love it yeah um for me so my parent my mom's mom and dad actually lived on a farm in, in the Shenandoah Valley in, well, not, south of Shenandoah Valley in Virginia, in Southern Virginia. Um, and it was quite a large farm. And my mom was actually born on the farm in the house. My grandma had four kids and pretty much all of them, you know, all, all of them, of course, were raised on the farm. And 
up until my grandma died, we still went back and visited the farm. Every time we went, um, my papa died when I was 12 and still one of those things that I'm like, oh, I just wish he would have, he, he was around a little bit longer so I could have gotten to know him and just talk to him about everything. But he was just such a cool character and like a farmer through and through and would, you know, anytime I visited, we would feed the cows together and we would ride tractors and he would put us on forklifts and like on the forklift part, you know, that's supposed to lift things. We would sit on it and he would drive us around and we would go gather the eggs in the morning and just, you know, it when it would snow during Christmas, we would go around and try to figure out what what little hills were cow patties and what weren't. And he just like had so many fun things that he would do with us. And one of them growing up was always piling all of us in the back of his truck and taking us to the candy store. <laughs> and he would just let us get as much candy as we want because guess what? My mom never let me have candy. So he would take all the cousins, you know, to the candy store and we would just get all this candy. So like it was just so much fun being at their house and visiting and being with my cousins and just being on the farm, you know, feeding the cows and moving their, their pastures and they had a bull. And so my, my, Papa thought it was hilarious to put us on the bull and like get us up close to it and get us to touch it. We were all terrified, but he was like, just touch the bull. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he's like, it's not going to hurt you. But anyway, we all thought it was. And it was just so much fun um, to be on the farm and like so many good memories in the candy store. And um, the second thing that I loved growing up was we had a trampoline, which is really interesting because now they always have those like barriers of protection. Like back in the day, it, my mom was like a very protective person too, but like we just had like a trampoline, <laughs> like just no protection around it, no nothing. And I would jump on that thing all the time. And we would put the sprinkler underneath the trampoline. All y'all who have trampolines for your kids now, put like a sprinkler underneath the trampoline or like going above the trampoline. It is so fun because then the trampoline mm -hmm. gets wet and then you can jump on it and it actually like the water flies will stay up and will fly up and oh i just for some reason i have this memory of just always putting the sprinkler on the trampoline we had so much fun doing that and we also had just a blow-up pool and i would spend summers and summers outside jumping with the sprinkler and the blow-up pool and just having friends over and enjoying it we always were outside we also had a you know clubhouse or whatever and i loved being in that thing but Summer's outside with water. It's just like life. So, um, any guilty pleasures? Do you have any guilty pleasures? This is question number three from Jody. Do you have any guilt or guilty pleasures or do you always practice what you preach? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, uh, yeah, I, I no, <laughs> I, there's, there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's not things that I like hide, but also like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like there are things that I'm more or less proud of that I have, but I'll tell you, you know, that what yeah. I do, sure. right. Like, like, uh, so, uh, so I, so I don't know, like, um, and am I, I do aspire to be better. Right. Um, I think I probably, um, shop too much. I try to uh, do most of my shopping used, like used clothing and stuff, but I don't do everything. I probably spent, I spent too much money on that, that sort of thing. I'll say that like, you know, so. Uh, shoes and 
those those jeans those jeans that you showed me oh my gosh i was like what i did find by the way i just had special note when you showed me those jeans they're like the high-waisted ones that like are just oh you mean the yeah yeah Yeah. i actually i don't i don't really wear those anymore (laughs) (laughs) whatever i found these it's a brand called liverpool and they're called pull-up jeans so there's no zipper or like button it's glorious so you i found i found them on amazon and they're like 90 bucks so it was it was an investment but you pull up the jeans they're high-waisted and you just pull them on and they they're actual jeans it's not like jeggings it's like actual jeans and i'm like holy crap these are amazing Mm. they're so comfortable like why did nobody think about just eliminating the button before (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah interesting interesting idea Yeah, yeah so um yeah, I wouldn't say that people, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's it's tricky because, like, I am working on doing, you know, I don't want to, it's it's not, it's not my most ethical, the most ethical way I could be spending my money, right? Um, so okay, sure. I just bring that up as an example, right? Like, I'll tell you. So, mm-hmm. um, so that, I don't know, that's that. Oh, do you always practice does that preach? Does that answer the question? I mean, I wouldn't like say do that, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you I do it. Um, and, and in terms of like the stuff we talk about here um, in terms of how we eat and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on my circumstances, I might have greater or lesser access to the things that I ideally would be eating. But I also like I make space for that and I talk about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh I'm a really big fan of, you know, uh, organic, for example, grass fed when I can, you know, but I also say that like sometimes I, you know, I I can't, or maybe I could if I, if I made more for it than didn't, but like, you know what I mean? I, uh, but generally speaking, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do the, I do the stuff and I, I try to, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely have guilty guilty pleasures not that i necessarily feel guilty for them but sometimes i'm like noel this is not the best way to spend your time so i do watch bravo and my favorite show is summer house the last season of summer house was life it was so good and so entertaining look i don't uh, i don't think that what i'm watching is real life and like i don't get wrapped up in these people like they're celebrities I know they know Bravo knows and we all know that they're there for pure entertainment. And so I get entertained sometimes by it and I enjoy it. I I watched it from like day one. I was very interested in it and then have kind of kept up with certain, you know, Real Housewives series. Others not so much. But I just sometimes I even listen to podcasts about the drama or you know recaps or just things and it's very entertaining it's just entertaining sometimes it's just a a way to check out um and just be interested in how other people live uh again not the best use of my time and a lot of times i'm listening to the podcast i'm like noel really but most of the time that i'm trying to do that i'm just trying to check out i'm taking a break i'm like you know on the way to pick up a kid or whatever so um that is that's pretty much it in terms of guilty pleasures and then do i always practice what i preach most i will say uh consciously absolutely uh in terms of what we talk about here on the podcast uh that's not to say that i don't 
also struggle with things sometimes, you know, and get caught up. Like it's so I'm 35 and it's it's getting very hard to see see the changes, see the things happening and see women who are, you know, 55 and look like they're like 30 because they get mm. Botox and fillers and breast lifts. Like I'm looking at my body right now. I'm going to be brutally honest. Like I'm, you know, I'm kind of back in the workout scene and doing finally feeling like cool i'm here like i'm i'm back i'm recovered my body is doing so much better than it was in terms of chronic pain and all that stuff but like y'all my boobs are saggy like you know like it's just it is what it is and it's hard sometimes not to be like can i get a breast lift though like what would that be like you know it's fine to explore those feelings and i don't i'm again i'm not judging anybody who gets plastic surgery who gets a breast lift or who whatever gets a you know gets a nose job i think we've talked about that but it's hard to not get trapped or even just look into things like, okay, well, what? <laughs> like, everybody does it. It just seems like such a normal thing now. And so while I definitely prioritize clean beauty, I don't want to do Botox personally. Again, that may change. Don't hold me to it. But I don't, from what, you know, it's something, of course, that is interesting, right? And it's interesting because it's so darn effective. And um, I don't think you're a bad person if you get Botox, okay? It's a personal health decision. But like right now, I'm not going to do that. Like I'm going to do the clean beauty things. I think that there's a lot that can be done with counter time. And I think that there's, you know, it, it, our bodies change and that's fine. Um, and I, again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not mad at anybody who gets plastic surgery. I actually think that that, if that's your own personal choice and you're doing it for you, great. Uh, it is, but it's, it's hard. It's hard sometimes, especially being a person who like talks about health and fitness. Like you kind of open yourself up to criticism. People are going to judge your body. And so like when my boobs are saggy, it's like, okay, like, is there something, I, is there a quick fix here? Is there something I could get this taken care of? I mean, so I think that I just, do I practice what I preach? Yes, but that doesn't mean that um don't struggle with my own personal things and I'm just like like it's very easy to tell on a podcast and talk about here's what I really want for you. Here's what I know will be great for you. And even as a personal trainer, I can say you only need to do three workouts this week, or you should only be doing two workouts this week. And one of those, or third one should be a recovery. But when it comes to myself, I question that sometimes. And I'm like, well, can I do another workout? Well, am I being too soft on myself? And so like, it's very easy to just confidently say, I know what's best, but then not apply it in your own life because you're kind of second guessing. Am I, you know, am I being soft on myself or do what can, can I actually do like a, a high intensity workout today? And for me, my default is always to do the high intensity workout. And that's probably why I talk about this stuff so much is that I'm still to this day susceptible to that. Like even this week, like my knee was kind of hurting this morning and I was like, whatever, I'll just do the workout. And I, and if I was, if it was, if I was my client, I would have told myself no. And I was just kind of thinking about that actually while I was writing. But so in the most cases, yes, but I still struggle. That's the short of it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't remember if I, I think I said, <laughs> just to circle back, I think I said, like, I, I shop a lot and I try to, you know, I try to always do things to purchase things used. Um, to be clear, I don't always <laughs> but uh but i but i do um i do aspire but anyway yeah so it's just um you know being cognizant and conscientious you know and mm -hmm. moving forward 
cognizantly, conscientiously. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Okay. Question number two is from, this is not, I didn't change out the name. This is from Sarah. Okay. She said, my husband's, this was, this was something posted in our Facebook group and she let, she's, let me bring it up as a discussion, mostly because I want to hear Stephanie's opinion, but I can also I have some things to say. My husband's diet and lifestyle well. Well, is polar opposite of mine. He's fairly sedentary and eats a sad diet, a standard American diet that consists of mostly bread and low quality cheese, fast food and sugar cereals. Crying emoji. Obviously, I cook him healthy dinners and encourage him to eat eat to be healthier, but he is his own person and I have to respect that. He's 32 and at the heaviest he's ever been. And he wants to lose some weight because he's tired and does not feel good. I've tried to convince him to shift his lifestyle to just eat healthier and higher quality food and move his body more. But he says he needs hard and fast rules because he can't moderate. He wants to do keto. His sister did it and lost a ton of weight. I am very anti-quick fix diets and don't think it's a good plan for him long term. But he's a man, so I know it may work okay for him. At least better than for a woman of childbearing age. Hashtag hormone health. Anyone have advice on how I can support him through this? Right now, I have a very skeptical and negative attitude towards keto, but want to support him to be healthier, hoping this could at least open his eyes to a new way of eating and could be a stepping stone to changing his overall lifestyle. And then her follow-up question that she posted um, last week, was, or actually this week, was, what are some things to get tested beforehand, so before they actually start the protocol to see to see if like he had good changes? Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I've put a lot of thought into this. I, well, <laughs> um, I am currently, I have, and I am, I, I don't know how to define a lot. Um, since I encountered this question, um, leave it to the philosopher yesterday. Yeah. Sorry. You're, you're always like, oh, well, um, what, what is defines a lot? Yeah. Okay. What is a lot? Forgive, uh, <laughs> forgive me. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if anybody, if people have, uh, specific opinions about, uh, what, uh, people who are married to each other, like if, if that creates some set of circumstances or ways of interacting with one another um, that might be different from what I'm going to speak to. Um, I am, I have not been married to somebody. I don't have that. And um, so I will speak from outside of what might be particular to that dynamic for anybody's, from anybody's perspective. Uh, I, in my experience, uh, uh, people don't change until it's like the time for them and they make the changes that uh, are the ones for them at that point in time. Um, And so what I do is I share my perspective and especially when it seems like they want it and sometimes we'll offer it if it's not being specifically asked for. Um, especially, you know, if I'm concerned about something, I share my perspective. I present what I think are pros and cons. I talk about them with people. Um, and that's it. I think my, my guiding principles in a lot of conversations I have these days are kindness and honesty. Like I am honest and I am kind. And that's really all that's, I, I think that that's, kind of all I can do. Um, 
And sometimes if somebody's going through something, you know, maybe we talk about beforehand how we're going to do it. Or in re- most of my relationships, we have ways that we kind of, you know, have, have fallen into operating. But you could be really intentional about that and um, maybe talk about like when and how you can offer feedback and maybe be okay with being told your feedback isn't wanted maybe being okay with being pushed back against um i suppose you know there are always exceptions if if something is particularly urgent that you're pushed through or break through um but i think generally speaking when people decide that they want something for themselves or going to try something for themselves i i will be honest and kind you know i can't tell you how many people i know who have undertaken specific you know dietary fitness routines that i from what i know from my perspective from my research and, and experience uh i'm i am not sure that that's particularly conducive to their flourishing at that time um but if i if i tell them i disagree i, I don't know how much me saying that is going to help um you know, I and so I be honest and kind, um, and am you know am supportive, uh, and that is kind of my way of being supportive. I see honesty as a very like important component of relationships, and I think listening, right, um, listening to somebody's justification, and always in conversations being like, I see you, you know, I see that here's where I'm coming from always uh, in conversations using I statements like this is or my statements like I think this because this this is my experience because this um, it's helpful for your ideas being heard um, and yeah and and being on a team with somebody and being empathetic is important because that just helps everybody feel good and also like that's how communication actually gets across to one another um, it's really hard to effectively communicate from both sides. Uh, if if you feel like you're not being heard, if they feel like they're not being heard, then everybody just stops hearing, or um, it becomes harder. Um, it becomes harder to do those things. And so I would um, I would say that. And you know, keto, like you know, there are things to be careful about. But I, I think about keto. I talk about keto the same way I do with intermittent fasting. Like there are things to be careful about to watch out for. Can it be done safely? Yeah. Can it work? Yeah. Can there be, you know, down the line, some results? You know what I mean? Like, can things change? Can people like, if they're adhering to something with a firm set of rules, can they fall off the rules and then things happen? Yeah, sure. But if you like tell them ahead of time, like, you know, hey, I've read that this could maybe be a thing. How do we want to negotiate that? Or when it happens, just be like, okay, you know, like, okay things aren't maybe going the way we wanted. And now like, let's adjust course, like, you know, what, what, what else are we going to do? Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's kind of how I nego- navigate the people in my life and, you know, stuff that they're undertaking that I may or may not, you know, have some sorts about. Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, from, I think that it, an interesting perspective is like he's always supported you and your health decisions and he actually wants to make what, you know, what whether you think keto is good or bad or whatever, he is trying to make a health decision for himself. The byproduct of that, and actually this just happened to one of my college roommates, my friends, um, you know, her husband was struggling and was having a hard time and... um 
really stressed out and gaining weight and just like not he was he was an athlete and so like when you're an athlete and then you don't do anything anymore and you're not really focused on health you know nutrients and and good food your body sort of deteriorates you start having fatigue and sleep issues and all the things and so that's what he was experiencing and he went keto she actually messaged me like what's you know give me your one sentence on keto and uh, I thought maybe she was talking for herself and I was so I said some things but you know, it was about him and their situation in particular was he started, they changed the way that they saw food and they started cooking more vegetables and more whole foods and started eating, you know, just more nutrient dense foods overall. And they started doing things and seeing things in a way that they never had before. And I think that that can be a good byproduct, especially for men and people who don't have a disordered relationship with food and like, you know, I think a lot of women are always trying to jump to the next diet or whatever. But I think men are sometimes are a little bit different in how they perceive food and all that kind of stuff. And so for him, you know, even though they don't strictly do it now, this is, you know, months and months later, I was kind of asking her how it was going. And she just said, it's been one of the best things that they've done in terms of a lifestyle change, because now they are kind of doing just more whole foods, a lot more vegetables. She cooks every night. Like you have to kind of cook more, right? You do a lot less fast food. And they have a different perception of food and cooking and dinner and how to like cook vegetables and proteins and, you know, quality. And I think that that can be a really positive thing, especially for somebody who has never tried, um, you know, focusing on food quality before. And I think that when we do look at, at the keto diet or just going lower carb, we know it does work pretty sufficiently for men. My only concern is that sometimes those, you know, lost a ton of weight, red flag for me is gain a, gain it quickly back. That's kind of like what I equate it to. So I think that you just have to be supportive, just like he's supportive of you, right? And really be, you know, get excited for him and his little wins and talk about you know, ask him, what is he learning? And what's he, what's some new foods that he's enjoyed? And how did you like, you know, get excited about making recipes for him and sides and like, well, how'd you like the roasted broccoli? Like, that's a really fun recipe, by the way. And it tastes really good. And people don't really consider it until they actually try it. And you're like, well, this tastes really good. Like roasted kale, roasted broccoli, like just try some fun things like homemade sweet potato fries or, you know, roasted sweet potatoes, like just I guess that's not keto. Um, you know, you can always you can make yourself something and him something and I think he's going to just appreciate that. So I think um I think it I think it's it's good. And I like I like the direction Steph took, which is like be supportive. <laughs> um I I hadn't really thought about that. I was more thinking about, well, is keto going to actually work for him? And I think the better thing to do here is like, how can I support him and get excited for him and also like influence him by still making really great, you know, foods and new recipes and and having fun with it. And now you have a connection in that area um, with, you know, recipes and trying new things. And that's what me and my husband love to do, too. We spend a lot of time in the kitchen together every night. We're always cooking, baking, roasting things, prepping things, talking about what we're going to eat. You know, food's love. Food is a big part of what we do. And so um, that's a big thing that that draws us closer. And he does our grocery shopping and he picks out things. And then I, you know, get to experiment, have fun with it. And we that I think it can be a really great 
um, facet of, of your relationship moving forward. So in terms of like getting things tested, what does your insurance cover? And that's what I would get tested. So when I went to the doctor before I had um, my first pregnancy, I was like, hey, can we just do like a full workup? And I didn't know what the words were, but I was like, can we just get like all the testing done? Like just kind of a full workup um, and I'll get my blood drawn. And we can just test a bunch of things just so I can see, you know, what what I can get a baseline. And she was like, sure, we'll just do everything, you know. And I don't know what exactly every panel was called, but I definitely got a full thyroid panel. I definitely got a lipid panel. We looked at chronic infections like Epstein-Barr. Then we looked at inflammatory markers. I'm not sure what that... I'm wondering if it's like a metabolic panel, but um, we looked at like C-reactive protein and insulin and stuff like that. And then look at key nutrients. So it might be some sort of like nutrient panel, nutrient deficiency where you're looking at, you know, your vitamin D status and all that kind of stuff. So that would kind of be my, and did I, did I say full thyroid panel? Um, I would definitely do that too. Anything yeah. else? Stuff? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, okay. same. Cool. Question number three, Cassie, how to get through the first trimester when you're extremely nauseous, fatigued, and experiencing round ligament pain and still have to work full-time? For reference, I'm working with a functional medicine doctor taking B6, but still can't get any relief. Any tips would be so appreciated. Um, do you have thoughts? <laughs> go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought I was just going to go right into it, but then you're like, <gasps> I'm like, oh. Thoughts? Um, okay, so... I know I did the thing with my tongue. Sorry. Go oh. ahead. <laughs> you know, the, I did that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, sleep. <laughs> sleep is your first priority. It's normal to be fatigued. It sucks. But you have to start rearranging your life and sleeping more. And um, I... It, I think that that's when I really got serious about my sleep and like getting to bed earlier and not looking at screens and shutting, shutting down and wearing my blue blockers like that. You just are going to have to start going to bed earlier um, and really letting your body rest more than anything. You're going to have to say no to extra things, things on the weekends. It's just going to be a time for you to really rest. Um, one of the things that I found helpful was smoothies. You can add, um, do a really light smoothie or even a drink and add a little bit of like collagen peptides or whatever to the water just so you get something in. Cause I do think getting in protein is, is really helpful. Light crackers. So Simple Mills makes a whole bunch of different crackers that are amazing. Try those. Um, and then try magnesium oil. So I have set, mentioned this a few times and I'm, I, I had a few people tell me that this worked for them. So I'd be interested. If, if anybody's tried this, let me know and if it worked. Um, get a transdermal magnesium oil. So a topical magnesium oil that you can rub all over your body. When I was really sick and just about like I we were about to head out and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel awful. We were about to head out actually like an hour and a half hour drive to go to a football game. And um, I really wanted to go. So I was like trying, I was like, I don't know if I can make it. And then I just rubbed magnesium oil all over me and it instantly helped reduce it. And also then getting outside and some fresh air and stuff helped too. And from that day on, I put magnesium oil all over me and I did it all through my second pregnancy. And I didn't have, I definitely had aversions and I didn't feel hungry, but I never felt like nauseous, like I was about to throw up. Um, so try the magnesium oil rubbed all over you. Uh, you can just rub it straight on your belly, your back, um, anything like that. 
And then for the round ligament pain, go ahead and just get like a pregnancy support band. There is one by AZ Med. Um, and that will help kind of lift your belly up to reduce the tension on your back. And that's more for like when your belly starts to get a little bit bigger. For now, what you can do is start to wear those like blank, uh, so like compression tops. I couldn't actually function without wearing these like compression tops. Um, and they also have bands, but I really just liked wearing an actual tank top that had the compression built in because they always, it would always like ride up or ride down. So there's a brand called Blanky. It's B-L-A-N-Q-I. They have tops, compressive. They're supposed to be like workout tops, but I was not working out pregnant. So especially not in the third trimester. Um, I could just barely stand. So I was, I wore those tops all the time and it really did help with the round ligament pain. And it just kind of helps to compress it down. The uh, Compress, but then also lift. Last thing, get into a chiropractor that's trained in the Webster technique or is just a prenatal chiropractor. So uh, that will really, really help relieve some round ligament pain. Um, it's kind of why they're there and what they're trained in is just proper alignment and um, really supporting like healthy stretching and <laughs> movement and also helping your, your, your baby exit. You know, your, your pelvis needs to be in proper alignment for your baby to exit. And so that I, I would really recommend getting into a prenatal chiropractor. Um, okay, last question is from Jana. She says, hello, I'm a new listener to your podcast. I had a question I was wondering if you could consider covering. A few years ago, almost 10, I was diagnosed with eosinophilic esophagitis. I have had trouble swallowing food and am especially struggling with reflux at night coming out of my nose and my mouth. It's no fun. I've been working on an elimination diet to find my triggers, but I'm still struggling after 10 years. Do you have any specific info on healing this? Currently on a wait list to talk to my gastroenterologist again. I feel a little lost and forgot what it's like to not constantly have symptoms being a mom of two littles and up all night with reflux. I'm really struggling. I don't really know if this is the right question to ask to get help. I've just been uh, given a medication and encouraged to eliminate foods. Thanks again for your podcast. Now, Steph, I did do some research and this is an autoimmune condition um, and it's esophagus inflammation. And I, yeah, we're not going to have sorry. the answer to this, but I just okay. felt the struggle in this. And I was like, I, we've got to help some way. Like I couldn't see this question in the email inbox and like not, I almost emailed you yeah. right back, but then I was like, let's just put it on the podcast so we can talk through just autoimmune conditions or just like gut health. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also I, from my limited knowledge, it seems like it's one of those conditions that people know the immune system is involved, but they talk, sometimes it's talked about as an allergy. Sometimes it's talked about uh -huh. as an autoimmune condition and that can make it, that can make it tricky when you try to figure out exactly like how you want to approach it. I think I personally would give the old autoimmune theory a try because, you know, an elimination diet geared towards autoimmunity after a month and some change, maybe a couple months, I, I feel like would, would indicate whether or not that would be good for you, right? Because if we're talking about like an allergic reaction to foods, then how do we narrow that down? You know, is it uh, specific foods or what sort of in inflammatory immune supportive processes do I undertake? Um, so I personally would probably look into doing some kind of autoimmune protocol for a couple months 
and seeing if that helped and that would yeah that that would give you a give me a better indication of how I'd want to proceed after that uh and if if not then or if that didn't work or what have you um I would sort of lean into the allergy angle um and maybe see a specialist in allergies and also uh, look into ways to support the immune system. I mean, supporting the immune system is always great. Um, but specifically, like, you know, it is uh, quite important. I think um, like a zinc supplement, perhaps um, supporting the entire system and, and symptom management um, and vitamin C, vitamin D. I mean, there's, there's a very long list and, and it must be, you know, very challenging and eating as nourishing a diet as, as possible. But um, yeah, that's kind of maybe how I would lean into it, given what I've, you know, again, my very, very inexpert mm-hmm. glance at what kind of literature is out there on this. Yeah. So, Jana, I just if you didn't already know this, sorry, I just keep hitting my little thing on my closet. I'm sure everybody keeps hearing the ding. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, okay I'm well, her chair still. So, yeah. Um, so Jana, what I really wanted to say is that this is, is likely an autoimmune condition. Um, they think that it is. And so if they think it is, it likely is where your body, your immune system is attacking your own body. And so we have a lot of information now about autoimmune conditions, chronic illness, um, and how closely it is related to gut health. Now your esophagus is your gut that's part of your 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 gastrointestinal tract so i think that something is definitely going on um your immune system is definitely running rampant and there are absolutely things you can do especially from a functional perspective to reduce or eliminate symptoms i would highly recommend getting in touch with a functional medicine practitioner you can work with somebody online or a nutritional therapy practitioner who specializes in um, gut health and digestion. I've interviewed a lot of people on this podcast. Any any um, of the last episodes that I talk about where, where I'm interviewing somebody and the topic is chronic illness, listen to those. Specifically, there is one with Ryan Monahan. He is actually a practitioner that works with people, and he is specializes in chronic illness and I think he would be able to really, really help you figure out what is causing your symptoms, help you restore your gut lining and help repair it. So you may be struggling with, for example, uh, intestinal permeability, otherwise known as leaky gut. It's very likely going on. You may have some sort of overgrowth going on where there's a pathogenic bacteria that's overgrown and it's causing the reflux and these symptoms. Most notably, uh, maybe an H. pylori infection, which is highly associated with GERD and reflux. So once you get a test and you know, do I have H. pylori? Is, you know, what's going on in my gut? Do I have a, a gut infection? Do I have SIBO? Do I have anything going on in my gastrointestinal tract that would be causing all a lot of these symptoms? Then you can address those, uh, you know, treat that and then get yourself on a plan where you're, you're, um, eating nutrient-dense foods, you're supplementing if you need to. For example, autoimmune conditions, um, it's highly correlated with a deficiency in vitamin D. 
So getting sufficient vitamin D going, taking a magnesium, making sure that you're actually digesting, digesting and absorbing what you eat, which that might be part of the problem. You may not be doing that. So you just need basic digestion support. And then finding out what foods work best for you and what doesn't. So somebody, this is like what nutritional therapists and functional medicine practitioners, this is what they, this is what they do. They help you figure out what to eat, you know, like what, what things should we eliminate and what things shouldn't? And like, where can we start? And should we even eliminate right, right from the get go? Um, so I would focus on that and for sure consider going in to see, you know, look at on Facebook for groups in your area, like what are the best allergists that have kind of, that kind of take a more functional approach or, you know, a root cause approach and, um, go to an allergist and see if there is something that you are allergic to because they think that sometimes it might be a chronic response to substances or foods, um, foods or substances in your environment. So such things like dust mites or animal dander or pollen or molds. So you may have mold in your house and it's just causing this constant um immune reaction. And so they might even have a little bit of histamine intolerance going on. Again, I did a histamine intolerance episode with Dr. Becky. Um, I did a mold episode, which was very uh, fascinating too. And so I think that um, Dr. Ann Chippy. So I think that um, it, it's worth listening to all this, but it's also definitely worth, worth listening uh, or working with specifically a nutritional ther- therapy practitioner or or some sort of functional medicine practitioner. Brie Whistleman is great. She's very specific to women's issues. Um, she really focuses on digestion and hormones. And I interviewed her as well. So there, there's that episode. So if you're listening, listen to the episode with Brie, listen to the episode with Ryan. And if either of those connect with you, you know, consider teaming up with them so that you can work with your gastroenterologist and you can be trying to figure out and uncover the root cause because you can absolutely get better and you do not with two littles n- nobody has time to have reflux and be up all night so there's absolutely some I, I i'm excited because i think there's a lot of potential here and i think that you could absolutely get help but if you need anything uh i wouldn't email don't join our well-fed women facebook group and um you can you know let us know like in the actual community you can post in there updates um, because I, so much spam comes to the well-fed women Gmail account and I don't actually check that regularly. And I just open the very handful of ones now that I think might be like questions where people are ask, actually asking a question and a lot of it goes to spam. So, um, yeah, hopefully that helps. Do you have any other thoughts, Steph? No, I thought that was quite helpful. Okay. I think that's it. We're good. Okay. Oh, I did it. I brought us, <laughs> I brought us home on time. <laughs> Woo! Yay me. All right. For more from me, you can go to coconutsandcuttlebells.com. For more from Stephanie, she's at stephanie.ruper on Instagram, and I am at coconutsandcuttlebells on Instagram as well. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for asking questions. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>